Good Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden. It's my joy to be on the air. Mr. Ryan will be joining us in a few minutes. How are you you liking spring so far? It's kind of cold, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, and they say it's going to get up to 70 this this week. You know, when I came here in 1975, it was cold up until... It was cold up until the uh, the day after um, uh, Fourth of July, and uh, so I, you know, so it's interesting when people might not believe global warming, but there's something happening in the uh, in in the world. And uh, Seattle weather is sort of different than it was when I got here uh, all those years ago. Uh, in fact, I mean, I wore sweater sometime part of July. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to see uh, as it warms up and people take out and go out and have a good time. Well, I didn't make it up to see the tulips, and I, I had hoped to get them, but I just did not go. But my friend Susan Freed, who is a photographer, she went, and she has lots and lots of beautiful uh, 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 photos that I can use for my, um, for my uh, beauty break. Well, while I'm waiting on Mr. Why, I might as well let you know that Mothers is having our community uh, our week, our monthly meeting a Wednesday, uh, six to seven thirty, uh, at the Liberty Bank uh, at the Liberty Bank apartment building uh, community room. Um, we hope to see you there. We're we're actually getting our engine started again. I mean, I, we've spent a lot of time down at the Community Police Commission, and it took so much bandwidth doing that. Uh, it was hard to keep up with all the other things we were doing. So. Anyway, I hope that you'll show up uh, again. It's uh, going to be this Wednesday uh, at night uh, from six to seven thirty at the Liberty Bank Community uh, Liberty Bank Apartment Building uh, uh, in the community room. And you can call me if you need more information. My number is two zero six three eight zero seventeen ten. And so uh, that's again. My number is two zero six three eight zero seventeen ten. And be sure to check out our podcast. You can go to 1150 AM, uh, You can You can listen there and subscribe to it. Tell your friends about it. Tell your friends about it. And also, if you have somebody that you, you're interested in wanting to see the interview, I want to just send me an email there. You can send me an email. Uh, um, I, I, you, can, you can send the information to Mother's, uh, Mother's website. We have a website. It's uh, mothersforpoliceaccountability.org. If you have somebody you want to see the interview, I'm talking about police uh, justice and uh, reform, and also how we can con- how we can uh, continue to improve in our community. So, um, anyway, just waiting to see if Mr. Rye is here, and he should be coming on just in a few minutes. I do have another yes, guest? I'm here, Reverend Harriet. I'm having problems with my Zoom. Okay. Well, hey, I'm and sorry I am about on the that. Phone. <laughs> All right. So I well, apologize just... for the delay. Oh, that's okay. You know, that's okay. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. You haven't been on probably in, in, in maybe about maybe about four weeks. <laughs> uh, and so, if you could, um, if you could just go ahead and give us an update. I was on your show last Thursday, and uh, you had uh, you had a guest from uh, from Georgia, representative there uh, from Georgia, uh, uh, and he was a kind man because one of the things he said he had to get off to go take care of his mother. Uh, you know, it's hearing adults say that uh, uh, on the airwaves is, uh, is an unusual happening in America. Well, you know, Congressman Hank Johnson is, is that kind of guy. Uh, his mother's 96. And, uh, you know, it's good to hear that, uh, that our folks have, uh, uh, have uh, you know, uh, responsibilities that they, they undertake right. and gladly undertake them, like you, you heard him say on on last Thursday. Uh, but uh, 
Reverend Perry, a lot of things are going on. A lot of people are talking about uh, reparations, and now, you know, folks are trying to say, well, what about people who got here in 1904? And I said, well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, we got to go, go with uh, African descendants of the United States enslaved uh, with the people that spent 254 years in slavery, our lineage, in slavery, and uh, like my daughter said, built this joint for free, died in every war. Uh, and I'm saying is that if uh, other uh, descendants who are ended up in Central America or South America or the Caribbean, then uh, the folks who colonized them need to be responsible for their reparations. I agree. France, uh, uh, Germany, I mean, France, right. uh, England, Spain, and Holland, I mean, the Netherlands. So, I mean, right. those are the folks mm-hmm. who were doing, uh, uh, they were the ones that's going around, uh, you know, taking advantage of colonizing people and, and taking uh, uh, their land and everything else. But when it comes down to African descendants of the United States enslaved in North America, which is right. now the United States, uh, we can't let them forget, although uh, Ron DeSantis and some other right-wingers want you to forget that uh, we spent 254 years in slavery. And right. I can't say that somebody who got here in 1914 is going to have the same kind of resume. Because, well, uh, no, because, because we, we Lincoln, had already, Lincoln had already signed the paper when they got here. <laughs> oh, exactly. And some yeah. of them fell by the Statue of Liberty, which France gave to the United States in 1854, probably for making Haiti pay reparations for 50 years, but, you know... That's yeah, no, Haiti's still paying. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, I, still you know, paying. and that's why Haiti doesn't have an infrastructure. That's so right, only, that's why it doesn't have an infrastructure. That's right. In, in the Western Hemisphere, the only black country that fought for its freedom and gained it and then punished for it ever since then. Punished so, for it. And, yet, and, and, and that, that, and that really is true. That, uh, mm-hmm. this, our government can look all over the world to help people, but we can't go right all over the world. You know, my grandfather told me that when I was little. You know, he taught me my timetables. He used to call them timetables at those days. In those days, uh, multiple multiple timetables. But he taught me that, that uh, when I was uh, seven or eight years old. And one of the things he said, he said, Americans always went on and helped everybody else, but they would never help the Negro. And, I, and that's what he told me when I was a little girl. And uh, and it continues to play. It continues to play out uh, uh, in the true psyche. Then and true we're now. just not. We, we're just not worthy enough for the, for help. I mean, uh, uh, it's it's something. It's something about that scenario that has not changed. And not, and and we're the people who pulled ourselves up with no boots and no scraps. I mean, really and truly, when people might want to talk about things, uh, uh, it's like okay, when they left, when 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 freedom, so-called freedom, came, they said, "Go," you know, they called them by all kinds of names. Go, get off my property. Now, some people did do all right because some people are, are family. I mean, the the uh, the, uh, the the plantation owner was uh, gave land to some people, but uh, but those are maybe uh, his descendants uh, <laughs> from uh, from 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 the uh, the lady in bondage that had children. My great grandfathers on my mother's side, her mother's mother was a white man, and my father's but, father uh, was a white man. And the same so, way with uh, my grandmother, my grandmother that I talked about, her father, her father was uh, was was also fathered by by the plantation owner, and he kind of looked he looked like he could pass in those days too. I mean, you know, if he wanted to pass, looked like he could, but he chose blackness and stayed on the black side. <laughs> well, when I saw when I saw my my father's father for the first time, I thought he was white. Well, yeah, and my, oh, but I got it on both sides because my grandmother yeah, well, said that, that. Yeah, I got it on so both sides of my lineage. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. 
But, yeah, uh, so it, getting back yeah. to uh, the whole reparations thing, I've been telling people it's easy to sit up and talk about it now, but if we're serious, there has to be a federal designation uh, for African descendants in the United that's States. Right. Well, that's right. That's right. That's right. In every federal agency, there's a right. small business administration, and there needs to be a black business administration. We need to that's have right. a large bank uh, so that we have with branches for us and ran by us. And right. uh, also, right. we also have to have reparations. Just, I mean, it also has to in- include land. Blacks that's ran right. off land every time there was any atrocity or any black person refused to do something, like a, a gentleman down in in OCO, Florida, they went to right. vote in 1920, and they burned up the whole black neighborhood, the businesses, and ran them off the land. So land got to be included. Uh, the but then thing, also Rosewood, they did the same thing in Rosewood, Florida. But state by state in the South, you got people ran off the, uh, off the land. I mean, uh, really and truly. Millions of acres was taken. And then you got all the black farmers who they got their land, got their land confiscated. So, you know, it, it's such a debt that the American that America owes to the uh, the stolen ones because we were absolutely stolen. Nobody got on that ship by uh, 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 nobody got on that ship and changed uh, 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 saying uh, singing we shall overcome. Okay, <laughs> uh, you're right about that. But see, the other thing we got to look at too is that uh, right now we have a situation. They just had the NCAA tournament. Almost all African American young guys playing basketball and hardly a black face in the student section. So the NC2A has to take some responsibility for making sure, because uh, I say fighting affirmative action, except for if you can play basketball or football and make millions of dollars for these white institutions, they have to have a commitment to make sure that our kids are getting in colleges without playing football or basketball. And well, once, yeah, once we get there with right. the NC2A, we got to go to the NFL and the NBA. Most of the players right. are African descent, and right now. Uh, before Nesby Glasgow died, we had a deal asking for each NFL, each NBA team, they have 10% of their contracts African Americans, deposit 10% of their annual revenue uh, in, a, in, a, a, in a, a black bank. Uh, also, uh, we also asked for a third of the pension fund from the NBA and the NFL to be uh, uh, deposited in a, a super black bank that would have branches throughout the country. And so if we don't have a bank, I mean, right now, it's ridiculous to sit up here and talk about competing against other minorities when other minorities have countries and have access to offshore money. We don't have that. That's true. And we're the That's ones true. that created these programs. When the, when, the con- when the contractors program came about, it was primarily black folks. Now, Jim Takasaki was out there. Ray Venegas was out there, part of the Central Contractors Association, with uh, the, uh, the late Willie Allen and Tyree Scott had the UCWA. And when we closed jobs down, the uh, students from the Chicano division led by Sam Martinez came down to support black folks getting in those building trade unions. We have the same problem right now. I want to tell the president, Mr. President, I know you encourage uh, for the unions to support folks, but we're tired of seeing uh, nooses hung up on the work sites of black folks right now. When we don't, when 60% of the African-American males don't make it past the third year in the building trades, no, they don't. No, they don't. Something got to be dealt no. with. No, and especially in the Pacific Northwest. Now, down south and some other places, and uh, it might be different. I mean, but they're up here, and with them, but you know, that's really true. It, that is really true. What happens here? And they kept them out of the unions. Even yeah, look how long it took Tyree Scott and them to actually to actually be recognized and to do all this other work. But you know, you were talking about the designation. Are you going to go back to the Black Caucus? I mean, because you know they had the power to to, to try to to to. Uh, 
to uh, absolutely uh, get behind that idea, and I don't know if you got an exact. I've been passing that on to at least 15 members of the Congressional Black Caucus. Also, my ideas about you have a small business administration. We need to have a black business administration. You have a minority mm-hmm. business program. We need to have a set aside program for businesses owned by African descent, United States enslaved, and the money and the contracts come directly to us. That we have engineers who can carve out uh, scopes of work both in the technical field and on the construction side. Because like trucking, for example, that there's no reason for it to be on a, a general contractor. And then if right. we don't have blacks coming out of the building trades as journey people, then that means that's where our contractors come from. So they've done right. a good job of uh, really annihilating uh, that's right. That's right. 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 from right. any right. kind of right. economic right. opportunity. Right. Well, you that's know, I, I think it's an 6% of the population in Seattle. Well, you know, I think it's an unwritten rule somewhere that, that that all people that they go by is to make sure that the Native Americans, I mean, because the Native Americans got some prosperity in some places, but a lot of places they don't. Make sure that we never rise to the level of anybody else who comes to this country. It's like it's, 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 it's like they have a playbook by it. I mean, because look, under, when, when, when the great, uh, you know, financial crisis came, you know, black people lost their property. I mean, they lost, they lost a lot of wealth during that time, uh, a lot of wealth. Uh, uh, and if you don't have lost access to capital, you can't grow a business. That's right. You can't start that's right. a business. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. If you don't have access to capital, that's capital and, is and so that's important. That's why I've been talking to people in the Department of Financial Institutions in Washington State. What do we have to do to get a bank? What do we have to do? And we know well, there's I mean, a whole bunch of banks in the city uh, that belong to other folks from other countries, but they're not done for us. Well, yeah, and like you say, to get offshore money, I mean, and a lot of other things that can happen with, with, with that kind of, uh, you know, with that, of course, we had a bank uh, at one time. I mean, I mean, we did have a bank. The first one, I think, west of the Mississippi, uh, a black bank that we had here, the Liberty Bank, the Liberty Bank, uh, but that, 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 lasted, that lasted for a while, but uh, it is no longer uh, uh, here uh, uh, because well, of, they I had guess, some problems when Tom Wood tried to open up a branch downtown on Second Avenue. And right, that's right, and so so they and took him out for that. About it. <laughs> right, that's right, that's yeah, right. As long as you stand on Twenty Third, that might have been good. He stayed on Twenty Fourth. Maybe we still have part of the CD left, but it's all just been economic apartheid. If you don't have access, well, to it capital, really is. It if you don't have access it's, to contracts, in the last right. the state's last numbers. African descendants of the United States and slaves did 0.18 percent of the states. One percent. I mean, and that, that's it. Zero. That's no. Really, uh, 0.18. No. Not no economic. But really. Really. Yeah. So I and mean, you know, we we spent three three terms with Christine Gore and Gregoire. You remember that? And then finally, I think we're gonna have three terms here with the uh, with the. Uh, with Jay Isley, I guess they passed some things about housing, you know, to have some kind of housing grants for people, uh, you know, the, who people had been hurt or they lineage, their ancestors were hurt about redlining and those kinds of things. Uh, but um, also, I, I believe that uh, gentrification is another way of people removal. I mean, because what oh, it does, exactly. it removes one people. It, it's people removal, see. Uh, uh, this, this, and this so that's what I call it. I call, I call it people removal. When we released the first report on redlining through the Central Seattle Community Council Federation, uh, Rosalind Woodhouse, Dr. Rosalind Woodhouse's director of camp, allowed me to represent the agency on various commissions and boards. And we released a report December 1973 that uh, the ethnic cleansing of the black folks under CD was about to take place. Well, and it did. To do it did. We're going to run R.H. Uh, Thompson which that, that off-ramp, that the Arboretum off-ramp to nowhere was supposed to go to between 26th and 28th all the way to I-90. And that was going to destroy the rest of the black community. But, you know, 
the trees and arboretum saved us. The people said, you can't, you can't destroy the trees and arboretum. <laughs> wow. Well, that, that's a good thing. You know, Mr. Lai, I really appreciate you coming on. But the next time I want you to know, let's talk a little bit about, uh, 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 you call him, <laughs> you call him Uncle, <laughs> Uncle Thomas. <laughs> well, Uncle um, Tom yeah. S. That's uh, Dr. Yeah. R. Fletcher called him that. Uh, Dr. R. Yeah. Fletcher, father of Fermi, like said, the biggest political mistake I ever made in my life was allowing President George H.W. Bush to have me endorse Clarence Thomas. And after about six months, uh, Dr. Fletcher said, Clarence Thomas, no, Clarence Tom ass. And he said, <laughs> I mean, the stuff he's done, he should not only be disbarred, he needs to be in jail. Well, you know, you know, Hasten was the last time, you know, after before they this before Hasten would uh, took it, they took his federal ju judgeship from him. They had not taken anything from a federal judge in almost a century, and it was Hasting out of Florida. So who knows what can happen with uh, with with uh, with uh, with uh, with, uh, with, uh, with Clarence Thomas? I mean, I, I know Did he's Hasten not going to benefit for us. Hasten was left to with the Congress, didn't he? Yeah. Yes, he did. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> just like you, just like our little, our, our two Justins down there in Nashville, they they kicked them out, and then they got right back in there. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well. Um, anyway, I, I really appreciate the appreciate what you're doing, uh, and we just have to keep at it because uh, you know I keep I keep uh, I'll have people on next month be talking about Florida. I have to bring people on often about Florida because Florida is the bellwether state going uh, uh, going in reverse. I mean, and they're 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 out there uh, not only trying to run Disney out, but also coming after 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 black people. So it's going to be interesting. And so I don't think we sit. I don't think we can sit out Florida. I think we have to be engaged in Florida. I think you're right on that one, Reverend Mary. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So matter of fact, uh, Charlie James had posted a, a picture of Ron DeSantis. And a picture of Mickey Mouse, and Mickey Mouse was telling Santa, "I'll be here a lot longer than you." And I reposted <laughs> that on my Facebook page. Well, look like look like Disney's trying to get out of Florida, so I don't know. I mean, I saw something. Yeah, well, about yeah, he, might... You know, he might he might run them out, you know. Well, but you know, do you know that Disney, uh, Disney, Disney is in is Orlando, and the mayor is black, and who was also married to uh, the congresswoman from down there? Well, yeah, but but Disney is the largest ran employer ran for, of Florida. Ran for senator. Yeah, but uh, I you talking about Val. I, yeah, I, yeah, Val Deming. Val Deming. Yeah. Well, uh, Disney is the largest. That's right. But uh, Disney uh, uh, is the largest employer in Florida. I mean, Florida, yeah, I is a, Florida is a tourist state. So anyway, but listen, I, I think that my next, next guest is coming in. I really appreciate you coming on, uh, uh, Mr. Rye. And we'll take a break. Uh, uh, and you listen to the Mother's Justice Show. And we'll be right back. The Mother's Justice Show is brought to you by H.G. Walden and the Virtues Healing Circles. Join us for Wisdom and Wellness with Reverend Walden, a monthly virtual and in-person healing circle that focuses on community healing and growth. Learn more at VirtuesHealing.com. That's VirtuesHealing.com. Also, be sure to join our healing group on Facebook. Again, visit us at virtueshealing.com today. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, from Walden. It's my joy to be on the air. Before I bring my next guest in, I want to remind you that Mother's is having a community meeting on Wednesday. Uh, this Wednesday at the, at the Liberty Bank uh, building, the apartment building uh, on this 1405 uh, 24th uh, and that's on the corner of 24th and uh, Union. 
Uh, the time is from 6 to 7.30. Come and help us. Uh, we're, we're getting our engine going again. Uh, we spent a lot of time uh, on the commission, and uh, and so we, we're just trying to get our engine going again. Thank you for that. If you need my number, it's 206-380-1710. Thank you. Bring my next guest on. I'm really excited about uh, Dr. Callie Ellis. Uh, she's the interim director at the Community Police Commission. Have not had that high level person on in a long, long time. So <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm just so excited to have you on my show. Um, I, I mean, you just I have so much going. I mean, I, I, I'm so glad that uh, you applied uh, to be a policy director and, you know, and then things evolved until you're interim director. But um, but you have such an interesting background in policy. And, and to meet somebody who loved policy, that's like love. That's like meeting somebody who's an accountant. Love. <laughs> I do love policy. Yes, yes. So what got you going in loving policy? Oh, wow. So I went to Michigan, University of Michigan, at my master's degree in public policy. And I could have gone in many different directions, but I got really lucky when I was there. Um, and I started working for, when I graduated, the person who was the Attorney General of Michigan, who went on to become the first female governor of Michigan, and who is now the Secretary of Energy for the United States. Her name is Jennifer Granholm. And that really got my love of policy going when I was at a formative stage. This was back long ago. And so I always love working on policy. I love the different complications of policy. I love the world of policy and the, the politics. All of that is really fun. So after I worked in policy in Michigan for a while, I went back to get my PhD also at the University of Michigan. And when I was there, I studied different types of policy, but eventually I wanted to become a professor. So I became a professor at Evergreen. I was a professor there in the MPA program for the last five years. But living in Seattle the entire time, I always wanted to give back to my community where I've been living the whole time. So that's why I decided to apply for the policy director position at the CPC. Wow. Well, I tell you, you were. I'm glad. To, I'm glad to hear that all of that turn of events because uh, you have what, what you bring to the city. I mean, uh, what, what your your breadth of experience, uh, your enthusiasm, and then you know, you're uh, you're, you're out connecting with people and you also do a lot on your volunteer time you have you have you have a program that you volunteer uh, once a month there and you were uh, actually uh, uh, three weeks ago I mean when when mr uh, uh, when Elijah Lewis uh, uh, was was uh, you uh, you you were, you were not too far from that so would you tell us uh, my listeners about what you do in your spare time which is not your spare time it's your volunteer work time what do you do there Sure, sure. I'm a volunteer with the victim support team. And what that is, is a formal program. It works with the Seattle Police Department, but we are all volunteers. We're all civilians and we're very well trained to primarily support victims of domestic violence after their perpetrator has been taken away. Oftentimes the police don't have any time there to support them or provide any sort of follow-up services. And so that's when the victim support team, the VST will come in and help and provide support to, to victims in that way. However, at the time of that tragic event, I was also there and we were there to provide support for, it wasn't a domestic violence, but it was another type of violent situation. And we were there to support the family members in getting them over to the hospital when the police were not available to do so. So yeah, I, that's my volunteer work is supporting victims of violence in different ways. Wow, that's wonderful. I mean, because, it, you know, I mean, a lot of times people just don't know what to do. I mean, uh, uh, they can't get there fast enough or mm -hmm. uh, and all of those things. And then uh, then what you're doing is just really, really uh, uh, important uh, uh, to be able to do that. 
Uh, but today I invited you on to, to talk. Uh, I know your love of uh, policy and that, that you were uh, you rep you were down you were uh, uh, instrumental down in Olympia. Uh, you know, for us, uh, you always uh, you were on the legislative uh, 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 work group, I believe, and then you represented the CPC on the uh, the. Uh, uh, Coalition for uh, uh, Police Accountability. They, you were on those calls, and um, and so you've had you you you, you just hit the floor. I uh, hit the ground running uh, around policy. So would you just come on and just give us an update about that, and uh, and then what we see the what to see the future work is. Mm -hmm. Sure. So this was a very interesting year for the legislature, and especially for police reform. This was a budget year. So what this means is this was a longer year, longer session over 100 days, and most of the focus of this session is on getting the biennial budget passed. And at the beginning of the legislative session, the governor legislators realized that one of the biggest things they had to do actually had to do with not policing, but actually housing. There's a lot of bills related to housing that you'll see passed. There was a lot of money going to housing because that's the primary crisis that face, that's facing the entire state. However, there were some very important police reform bills that advocates were trying to move forward. And that was what the Community Police Commission was following along, along with our commissioners. So I'll mention a few. I wanna say upfront that none of them actually made it through all the different steps to become law. So it was kind of a disappointing year in terms of police reform bills. But a couple of them that we were working on and that we actually want to continue working on at the CPC was Representative Street, Chapalo Street. He's a brand new rep. He's actually my rep in Seattle. And he had House Bill 1513. It was called Traffic Safety. And so the intent of this bill was to reduce unnecessary interactions between the community and police by removing the ability of police to pull people over for non-moving violations. So this is things like broken tail lights or other things that are not directly related to danger on the roads. And this is, as you know, often a place where people can have unnecessarily dangerous encounters with the police. So this bill did not make it through. It didn't leave the house of origin. However, good news on this bill is that the bill also included money to provide grants to people to prevent this from happening in the first place. So these are like find it, fix it tickets. These are things like um, grants to help people actually get their taillights fixed, to deal with prior tickets, all of that. That money showed up in a different place. It didn't show up with the bill, but it showed up in the transportation operating budget. So the transportation budget, there's $750,000 there. This was all went through and was signed. So there's still going to be grant funding going forward to support people, but this bill itself did not make it through that process. And I will say the reason why I highlighted this one is because the commissioners were very interested. We actually wrote, one of the commissioners wrote an amendment to this bill and I send it to the bill sponsor. It didn't make it, but it's something that the CPC plans to remain actively involved with going forward. There were a couple of other important police bills that again, did not make it through this session, but they're important to watch for the future. So there were bills in the attorney general's office to basically give that office more strength and power for investigating bad police officers or stepping in when a county prosecutor doesn't wanna prosecute police officers for misbehavior. Those were House Bill 1445, which was sponsored by Rep Representative Drew Hansen, and then House Bill 1579, which would create an independent prosecutor for police use of deadly force. Again, neither one of those went forward. However, there was a lot of discussion. It got the discussion going and in a very important way. So one of the things I wanna emphasize about the legislative process is that 
this is it. There's a lot of attention when the legislators are there in Olympia. Everything's on TVW, which is an amazing resource for people to stay engaged with the process. However, a lot of the most important work happens after session, starting about now. In June, in July, in August is when a lot of the advocates, including the CPC, will come together with legislators who are still out there, even if they're not down in Olympia, and they'll have more time to really engage with the public and community about their interest in these bills. So it's really important if you're interested in staying involved with the legislative process to keep that in mind. Even though all the attention happens when they're there in Olympia, a lot of the most important work happens between sessions. Well, I, I can agree to that. I mean, because uh, things got rolled back in 2021 because the pressure wasn't there as it was in 20. It wasn't wasn't there. I mean, I mean, I mean, things got rolled back this year because mm -hmm. the pressure wasn't there like it was in 2021. I mean, you know, everything was on Zoom. People had more chance to participate. Right. I mean, uh, uh, and I think Zoom made things more filled, the more democratized uh, in ways, because if you live uh, in Spokane or, you know, down down in uh, Vancouver, Washington, or even up in Bellingham, it's hard to make those trips. And I hope that they would keep that going uh, to give people a, a chance. But uh, one of the things, too, I, I think that um, I, th I think you had you had some uh, real uh, freshmen there uh, uh, in 20 uh, in 2020 uh, and they got a lot of things done. Yeah. But in uh, but in the four years, some of those freshmen decided not to run again because I, you know, one thing about one thing about the, the this uh, system is that you have to be engaged the whole time, uh, uh, and uh, and then uh, you have to be in it for the long haul. And uh, some people are not there for the long haul. See, uh, uh, and uh, and so that that's what happens. And so I, I saw the rollback coming because I know I know um, just from doing this work that we've been doing for a long time is that the other side is highly organized. Yeah. I mean, because they get paid to be there, number one. I mean, uh, they, they'll get paid to be there. Other people have to take off their jobs and stuff like that, don't get paid. So anytime they show up in uniform, you know, they're getting paid. <laughs> Unless they're even at, at the uh, at the chief level, then, you know, they, they you know they still be on the clock. But uh, they, they're highly organized. They have a good turnout. I mean, they are determined that things uh, will not change. I mean, they have a great uh, vested interest in making sure that uh, they don't give them, they don't give another fuck. I mean, really and truly. Uh, uh, and, go ahead. That's a great point. And we saw that, as you mentioned, with the vehicular pursuit rollback. So there were very important changes made to the law in 2020 that basically limited the ability of officers to do vehicular mm -hmm. pursuit. And they targeted that as their number one thing, not just law enforcement, but also a lot of mayors in different cities, not Seattle, but a lot of our surrounding communities targeted this as the one thing that they wanted to focus on. And when they put all that focus on that one bill, and it wasn't even just one bill, it was a couple of bills. The one that ended up passing was sponsored by Senator Lovick in the Senate, but it was very much an intended coordinated effort to make sure that those rollbacks happened. And it was it's interesting to watch. It absolutely illustrates the dynamics you're talking about, Reverend Walden. Well, yeah, and uh, I know Leslie Cushman, who's involved with the Washington uh, uh, Coalition for Police Accountability. I mean, the, the number of uh, uh, you know the number of people who've been injured or harmed uh, 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 went down. This, uh, this in the last two years, see, it went down. Uh, yeah. And I guess I guess that uh, the other side we just didn't have uh, have what it takes uh, enough because I I don't but also crime escalated, and I think I think I think all of that I think I think in people's mind all this crime go together. I mean, mm -hmm. because we've seen a spike in crime, not only here, but across the nation. 
uh, with people just going out, just picking up guns and, and doing a lot of harm. But uh, but I, I think it's kind of like all a mess together. And uh, uh, and uh, even this time, I mean, in 2020 and 2021, uh, the victims, uh, the voices uh, uh, of the uh, of the, uh, the the of the families uh, mattered. And this time, I don't think those voices mattered as much as they did because George Floyd was still present in people's minds. And right. now it's a uh, uh, it's a uh, it, it, it is fleeted away, uh, and in uh, uh, you know although you have Memphis and you have uh, uh, Akron, Ohio, uh, uh, about police pursuits and uh, uh, and that type of thing uh, of what happens to individuals, but um, it's not it's not it's it's not in the minds of uh, the people, and, I've, and I think the law enforcement people feel like well well you know this will pass, uh, and we'll get what we want. I mean, and that, that's what I think they wait back to see. And then, and then they come out. They come out with their people, and you have you have a lot of people on the other side. I mean, you have family mm-hmm. members who was just bystanders who had gotten killed because of a police pursuit. And so, you naturally, you know, those people are they're going to come out and support uh, whatever, whatever on what on each side. I mean, on each side you have victims of uh, people out there who who have who had you know wanted wanted to support the, uh, uh, one bill or another. But uh, I think I think I think what I, what I get from your excitement. I, that I'm really interested in is that you understand the two-party system and you understand that it's a participatory system mm-hmm. and that everybody has one senator and two representatives in America. Everybody does, whether they know it or not. That's what the system is. And that's where the beauty of it is if people knew how to use it. Mm-hmm. You got to know how to use it. You know, right. And it's not always user-friendly. I, 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 but in Washington State now, they, some people want to get rid of the open, uh, open meetings, uh, uh, things, and, and water that down. But with the open meetings, you have a right. You have you have a chance to participate. Yes. And that, and and, and that, that distinguishes you from a country like Russia, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and some other countries. I mean, where people look like they want to go to. You got a lot of Americans who look like they want to have a theocratic society. Uh, uh, somebody to tell them when they go to bed, get up, uh, 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 and where they can work at and where they can't. I mean, it seems like that's really what they want. But um, but talk a little bit about this because it has to be something in that that inspires you. Because if you were teaching this, and it has to be something in that uh, in this whole scenario about yes. the two-party system that's, that that uh, that surprises you. I mean, that 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 really does give you passion. Absolutely. Yeah. So when I was a professor at Evergreen, I actually taught legislative policy for five years. And these were master's students. And some of my students knew something about the process here in Washington, and some didn't, but they were advocates. But one of the things that I really like about the system here in Washington is that because these are part-time legislators, they are accessible to you. These aren't professional people. These are people that have jobs that are part of their communities. And also it's very important to remember that they work for you. They are not special in any way other than they do this specific work (laughs) as part of the community. So you should always feel like you can reach out and you should reach out to your representatives or your senator and tell them your own specific concerns because they will be responsive to you and they do care. Um, There's a whole range of them, you know, on both sides. I think that there's a little bit less polarization here in Washington state than there is in other places, which is really helpful. But I think it's really important not to feel that this process is something that you can't learn or you can't participate in because if anyone tries to tell you that, it's very disempowering, right? You should 
write op-eds. You should write to your, your legislators. You should write to your Congress people. You should go to town halls. You should take them up on their request to talk to you because they actually really do want to hear from you and they need to hear from you. Right. So that's one of the things that I always emphasize with my students. It's important to learn the process because it matters. It's transparent. You can see what's going on and you can participate. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. I, I thought you had some passion on that. Let's take a break and come right back and let's continue our conversation. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show at 1150 AM KKMW. I'm your host from Walden. We'll be right back. The Mother's Justice Show is brought to you by H.G. Walden and the Virtues Healing Circles. Join us for Wisdom and Wellness with Reverend Walden, a monthly virtual and in-person healing circle that focuses on community healing and growth. Learn more at VirtuesHealing.com. That's VirtuesHealing.com. Also, be sure to join our healing group on Facebook. Again, visit us at VirtuesHealing.com today. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden. I want to thank you for listening. And I want to bring my uh, my guests back on, uh, Dr. Callie, Callie uh, Ellis. Uh, she's the interim director of the Community Police Commission. Uh, also has been a professor down at uh, Evergreen, and I'll tell you a little Evergreen story in a few minutes. But welcome back. So thank you. Thank Great you for saying back. yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but one of the things that you because see, the Canadian system is different from ours, right? Yes, it is. Their system is more closely modeled after the British system because they Mm -hmm. were closely connected to England for much longer than we were. So, yeah, they have a house of lords. I don't know if exactly called that, but it's a house of lords. So these are basically wealthier people that are appointed, as well as something that's more like a house of commons. We have in the United States, both senators and representatives. So we have representatives that are representative of populations and then senators that are two for each state. And this is why the census was so important, what just wrapped up, because every time they go out and do this counting, that's what sets every 10 years what the representative population is going to look like when you send people to Washington, D.C., as well as to the state house here in Washington. Right, and then they redraw districts and stuff like that also. Right. Based on that time, they redraw this because where I'm at right now, one time it was the 47th, and then they uh, 47th or the 43rd, and then uh, then it changed uh, to to the 37th. So it, so it, it's changed more than once uh, uh, since I since I've been in Seattle. Cute little Evergreen story. I I wanted my I loved Evergreen. I, I think it's, I, th- I always thought it was a swell place. I mean to go down there and uh, you know get a liberal arts degree. I mean I mean it's uh, the campus was cool, and then Dr. Maxine Mims. Uh, uh, set up the Tacoma campus. He's the founder mm-hmm. of the Tacoma campus. And uh, so my son, Chikundi, uh, <laughs> I, I wanted him to go to Evergreen so bad. And I took him down there. <laughs> and at that time, he said, well, if you know, if I was 43 and you was 16, I, I'd let you go there. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I just thought it would be such a neat experience. But he wound up going down south to HBCU, the school his father went to, Elizabeth City State down in North Carolina, Elizabeth, Elizabeth in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. But uh, it's just something about the campus. It was something mm-hmm. about, and I told Dan Evans was, you know, he's probably the only Republican I ever voted for was Dan Evans because he was a decent man. You know, he was a, he was a Republican when uh, before they before they changed party and then became the uh, uh, the Dixocrats. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, so it was just he was always uh, uh, just 
just a fine governor, uh, I always thought. And so it was just something about the campus that, that I really loved. And I've been on that campus many times. I mean, I've been down there for many events uh, early on. I haven't been down there recently, uh, but I always, I always loved that campus. And I always think about that campus because Chikunda says, well, you know, if I was if I was your age and uh, you were my age, I'd let you go there. I, I love teaching at Evergreen. I was able to teach at both the main campus down in Olympia, but I also taught a couple classes up at the Tacoma campus because mm. we have an MPA pro- or they had an MPA program at the Tacoma campus as well. And I really value one of the things I do miss about being a ref- professor is that I really value all the connections I made with my students. So some of my students are here in Seattle. Okay. Um, they went all the way down there when we're still doing in-person teaching and we're able to bring the lessons from the MPA program back here to Seattle. A lot of people are down in Olympia. At the MPA level, it's mostly adult learners. So a lot of my students have children and homes and they're working for the state or nonprofits. But my students are out there in the world and I hope that they learn the lessons that I taught them well. They, I, they were wonderful when I was there. Well, you know, I just think you would be a fine professor. I mean, I would probably would like to audit your class if I had had to. <laughs> I'm not looking for credit. <laughs> but I know you have something interesting, uh, something else in your background is that you went to the police academy. You went through that, I did. didn't you? Yeah, and I see you perk up when you know that, you know, and I know, I didn't know that before, but I, I'm really, so you want to talk a little bit about the police academy? Sure. So I moved to Seattle in about 2017, again, when I was working down at Evergreen. So I lived up here and would commute down to Evergreen for my job. But I wanted to get to know more about the city that I was living in, you know, what was going on around me. And so I went to signed up for the Community Police Academy. I'd gone to one before that was in East Lansing, Michigan, which is a very different type of community. That's a smaller college town because I'd worked in Michigan at the, at the Capitol nearby there. And so I thought it would be very different to learn about what is Seattle through this lens. And it was an amazing experience, very, very thorough. I learned about all different aspects of policing, many different things that they do, some of which are really visible and some of which are not so visible, kind of happening behind the scenes. And it was there that I learned about the victim support team, actually, that they made a presentation and I thought at first, I don't know if I can do this, but I really wanted to, as I said, give back to my community and I decided to go for it and went through the victim support team academy. And then I've been a victim support team volunteer for about two years. Well, I've heard good things about that program. I mean, I know that the, I mean, when Felicia uh, got hired there, it was somebody else running that program, and she eventually started running it, and had more people to go through that academy than ever before. So I never did, but I know, I know, I know, I know. She, you know, she's been she's from Seattle, so she was able to recruit some black people to go through that who would mm-hmm. <laughs> who would probably never go to the police academy had not been for her because they just knew her and they trusted her. So you know that that that, that type of thing. So uh, anyway. I just said, we got just a few more minutes here, you know, I mean, that, you know, well, yeah, we got about, about, about eight, six more minutes. So, um, so um, anyway, so you, you, I just, I'm just still interested in policy. I'm still interested. In, so, so what, 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 what are we going to be working on uh, in the summer? I mean, uh, do we have anything that we're going to be working on in the summer uh, and uh, with, with some of our partners and, and um Actually, trying to educate the commissioners that this, let us say it is a all it's a old it's a whole mm-hmm. year event. It's just not over. And I tell people all the time, I said the other side was winning because the people who would think they got something, they go home and eat the popcorn mm-hmm. uh, 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 and think they won. I say, but this is the system. I say, you know what? Uh, Callie likes the red uh, 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 mushrooms, and I like the green ones. 
Now she, she, you know, and I, I got my little people and we all, now we get all the business. We get all the business from the city, all the business for the, for the, for, for, for my, for, for the, for the Muslims I like. But you've been lobbying. You've been lobbying and every year you come back and you lobby and you lobby and we just show up and we still win. Well, one of these years, somebody didn't show up. And guess mm-hmm. what? You got the contract. And that's what happens. See, you got to show up because the loud, and sometimes they listen to the loudest voices like they did in 2020, which was really a mistake. I mean, because then they, they, they it looked like the central staff might have done some investigation and say, hey, let's call some other voices in, but nobody did. See, so, mm-hmm. um, so, so, so that's how, you know, that's how I try to explain it to people. It's elementary, you know, it's like, this is how it works. You could not say you won the day and go home and sit down and eat popcorn. That's just the other side, right. Roe v. Wade, 40 years, established law. And what happened? I think they did that one first because they come in after, well, they want to roll back uh, uh, Brown versus uh, uh, the Board of Education. So they've already set the president to do that. So by overturning Roe v. Wade. I mean, I think that's where they headed at. But, um, but you know, I, I just, I like to give them elementary. This is how it works. You go home, oh, we won, you know. Oh, let's pass the popcorn. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm not going out anymore. Okay. The other side is organized. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a really important point. This is a continuous process. I'll tell you, because legislature ended on Sunday, everyone that's involved in that is taking a break. It's pretty exhausting. It's a marathon they all got through. So give it well, about they get a couple- the budget. Did they get a budget? Did they get a, did they get a, a budget that they could agree on? Uh, they did. They did. Oh. They did. They, they're not going into special session. They, they okay. ended on time, which everyone's really proud about because in a few prior years, um, they used to go into special session and then everyone right. would have to come back to Olympia, but that didn't happen. They got everything done this year that they wanted to, but there's still a lot more work that needs to be done again mm-hmm. in, in this time between session. You're absolutely right, Reverend Walden. You can't just say that we won, it's over because there's always people on the other side. That's the whole <laughs> point of the two-party system. There's people that disagree <laughs> with you. And sometimes there's more of them and sometimes there's less of yes. them, but they're always yes. going to be there. And so right. it's really important to stay engaged with your legislators and with the process and with the community and really stay in touch with what's going on. Again, I think starting about in June is when we'll revisit some of the bills that quote unquote failed. The reason why I say that is because this is the beginning of biennium. This is a two year process. So the bills that we did not, that did not pass, they're still out there. And as soon as we get to December, 2023, they'll be ready to go. And the question is whether or not there's enough support to keep that momentum going that was here during parts of session to actually get them back onto the floor through the different committees and to the desk of the governor. It takes a lot of work. It, 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 it does. It, it does take a lot of work. Uh, and I tell people also now, the GO, the people who are running things that they took a page out of black people organizing. We organized in this country, not only while we were slaves, but uh, our ancestors was in bondage. But for a hundred and something years, uh, uh, we did. And, and now after affirmative action, people went home and ate popcorn. Uh, and so, and so the others, the, uh, the, evangelical, the evangelicals or whatever, they, whatever that group is called, uh, they took a page out of our book. They have not gone home in 40 years. Mm-hmm. We had never gone home. And so therefore, he who organizes the best and organizes often is going to win. Uh, uh, and, and, so, and so that's what they're doing. And they're moving into Washington State. I mean, they're, taking over, they're trying to take over school boards because the whole idea now is to make sure that uh, education, I mean, they want a theocrat. And I said, I'm going to tweet out the GOP is the new communist party. I mean, because they really want a theocratic system. 
they don't want any system that absolutely highlights any other people's achievements but theirs Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, and they want they want to isolate and, and protect the, their children or the, the the children unborn from getting uh, uh, getting information. And uh, uh, but we would always organize and affirmative action and good jobs be subject to that organizing because all over the country there are people come out doing police issues, but they're not there around the other issues, and that's where you got to be there at because you, you're going to get a little bit of concession like we did uh, after after the untimely death of George Floyd, and they come back. Because this system also is redundant. You probably found that out during policy. There's always another law behind that law. Right. So, I mean, so, so it's a redundancy in the system that keeps this system, uh, 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 we call it white supremacy, we keep the system uh, 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 going is because of the redundancy in the law. Yeah. That's what's so interesting to me about policy is that all of these things are interconnected. You can't right. just look at policing without looking at nutrition. You can't just look at policing without looking at K-12 education or prison reform or the environment. All right. of these things are part of the same system. And so at the CPC, we focus on policing. We have the right. mandate in our governing right. ordinance to do right. that. But I know, and most of the people that are advocates on this work know that all of these things are connected. And it's right. important to remember that connection when we're doing That's this right. work. That's right. And, and I agree, but it, it, it is all connected. It, it really is. And so, uh, wow, this has, been, this has been wonderful. I mean, I, I really support what you're doing. Uh, and I, I, I really I like your passion for policy. It just, it, it, it just excites me. Somebody that's passionate about policy, you know, it's like, wow, you know, <laughs> that means you love what you do. And when you love what you do, you bring your best, you bring your A game. I mean, I had a job once that I loved, but I mean, I love being on the air. I mean, I, 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 just, I love being on there. This one hour, <laughs> I mean, it, it gives me joy. And sometimes when you're doing other kinds of work, you need to find a place that gives you joy. You yeah. got to have some joy. You got to have some joy in your life. You really do it. Uh, else you're just not going to be not going to get there. So uh, so and you bring you bring joy and uh, uh, and, and that to your um, to to your uh, uh, to your work. So I, I really appreciate you being my guest. Uh, uh, and I appreciate you, uh, you know, coming on and I'll have you on again. And I just want to announce before I before I before I leave again, a mother's uh, meeting is uh, Wednesday. Uh, uh, from six to nine, uh, six to seven thirty at the uh, at the Liberty Bank uh, apartment buildings in the uh, community room. If you need more information, uh, call me at two zero six three eight zero seventeen ten. Look forward to seeing you. And thank you so much, uh, um, Dr. Ellis, for being my guest. Uh, and I, I'll be talking with you. Thank you so much. You've been listening thank you to for the having Mothers. me. You're welcome. You've been listening to the Mothers Justice Show. I'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye bye. The Mother's Justice Show is brought to you by H.G. Walden and the Virtues Healing Circles. Join us for Wisdom and Wellness with Reverend Walden, a monthly virtual and in-person healing circle that focuses on community healing and growth. Learn more at VirtuesHealing.com. That's VirtuesHealing.com. Also, be sure to join our healing group on Facebook. Again, visit us at Virtues healing.com today.